It's the Misdeeds and Intrigue podcast, featuring stories of royals, scandals, and true crime. Here are your hosts, Carrie and Larissa. I thought a couple offshoot stories came out of the 10 days of pomp and circumstance been going on. So Spain's King Juan Carlos I is being sued by an ex-mistress, which we've talked about him briefly on the show. Shocker. Yeah, he gave a $50 million gift to her. Been basically exiled to the UAE. And I mean, he did all kinds of stuff. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I know. Doesn't all the garbage go to the UAE? We've got like all these PGA golfers who are now like under the thumb of live golf. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. We need to talk about that on another show because I wanted to get your opinion on that. And some things I don't like to put in writing. I'm like, well, it will kind of get lost in the sauce on a podcast if we talk about it. The kingdom of Saudi Arabia reigns over a giant desert sitting on top of big pools of oil. So why then is it attempting a hostile takeover of one of the world's oldest sports, a game played on lush, irrigated expanses of turf, strategically placed water hazards, and water-hungry putting greens? Some of pro golf's biggest names have flocked to the deep pockets of the Live Golf Tour. Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka, and most recently, British Open winner Cam Smith. This is the biggest story in golf since probably Tiger Woods. In response, golf's old guard, the PGA Tour, is making big changes to the way its top players get paid. What's happening here is unprecedented. You know, you have a foreign government that's investing in and trying to take over a sport, which is much different than businesses that are doing business in that country. When when you're joining that league, you are playing for the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And I think that that's an important distinction. Because this fight between the PGA and Liv is very much about money. Billions and billions of dollars. It's about the future of Saudi Arabia, a changing country trying to position itself for a world that doesn't rely on oil. It's also about Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's attempt to finally escape the fallout from the gruesome murder of Jamal Khashoggi. They want to show that they have a cachet and a prestige that's not previously associated with Saudi Arabia. And so if they can get the world's greatest professional golfers to golf on Saudi sand, then I guess they've started to get that. Most of the royal families in Europe were basically related, Queen Victoria. And then there was also a King Christian of one of the Scandinavian countries that's considered the grandfather. That's how even how Philip and Elizabeth were related. So King Juan Carlos I has been basically in exile in the UAE. How long now? Oh, it's been quite a few years. And I think even his son-in-law was being indicted too on some invasion charges and stuff too. So that would implicated his daughter. Is King Juan Carlos considered an active king? I mean, he's... No, he gave up the throne for his son in 2014. It is one of the oldest monarchies in Europe, but today it is fighting for its survival. Six years after the abdication of Juan Carlos, more and more people are calling for his son, Felipe VI, to be the last king of Spain. The Spanish monarchy dates right back to the unification of the country in the 15th century. The Bourbon family of French origin ascended to the Spanish throne in 1700 with Philippe of France, the grandson of Louis XIV. 
The dynasty, though, has had a bumpy ride, even with several short breaks. The longest of them came at the start of the 20th century, between the proclamation of the Second Republic, the Civil War, and then the Franco dictatorship. Spain had no king for 44 years up until 1975 and the crowning of Juan Carlos, designated a successor by Franco. But the young king distanced himself pretty quickly from the dictatorship. In 1981, he played a major role in thwarting a military coup against the country's fledgling democracy. And his spirit entered into the hearts of Spaniards as the one who symbolized the reconciliation of the country. La corona. The crown, a symbol of permanence and unity of the homeland, cannot in any way tolerate acts or attitudes by individuals who aim to forcibly interrupt the democratic process encoded in a constitution that the people voted on through a referendum. But the fact that he's been so loved may turn out to be the monarchy's downfall. Since 2012, a series of scandals linked to Juan Carlos, money laundering, tax evasion, questionable gifts. In 2014, after 39 years, Juan Carlos abdicated, handing over to his son. And in 2020, he announced that he was quitting Spain and he found refuge in the United Arab Emirates. So will that be enough distance to restore Spain's confidence in royalty? Or apparently they asked him not to attend that reception and he can't, he showed up anyways. So there's all this like... What? But why? Because he's not an active royal. Well, he's coming to pay his respects so, to Elizabeth. I guess he, he, I mean, they had a relationship. They are distant relatives, but obviously when they were both royal, there was quite a few functions they, they had attended Which and all mistress that. mistress did he bring? I think he brought his wife. What? No, she's not so married to him, is she? I think so, because he, but he's being like he's like limping. Like that guy does not have much more time. How old is he? I think probably seventies or eighties. Uh, yeah, he's been torn apart into a million pieces by the mistresses. They're feeding off of the off of the pickings of a rich, wealthy ex king. Get what we can, girls. And then another one that came up. Murder of Queen's cousin, Lord Mountbatten, branded Karmic. Ah. At 11.45 a.m. on the 27th of August, 1979, a bomb explodes on a small fishing boat in Donegal Bay, County Sligo. It took a second to realize something terrible happening. I could hear people crying for help in the water. Lord Louis Mountbatten is killed. Anyone seeing the senseless murder is shocked and appalled by what happened. It sends ripples of shock, anger and grief across the globe. He represented something important to them and they were there to respect him. His last name actually was originally German, but they changed it during the war. Harry actually goes by this last name. When they named Archie, they gave him this name. Did you know that? No. What is the name? They used Mountbatten? Archie something something Mountbatten? Archie's official title? What did they give Lilibet? Mountbatten? He's Archie Mountbatten Windsor. They do get the prince and princess title. I mean, he's considering giving prince and princess, but they're her royal highness, his royal highness. He's, he's considering keeping that back because they're not... Charles? Yeah, they're not working royals and they're living in America, going to be American citizens and all that. What about Meghan and Harry? What do they get? Well, he's still the prince, but they can't use her royal highness, his royal highness, and neither can Andrew. But they're still the duchess. Mm -hmm. And hmm. but, you know, they're not all about titles and all that. No, not at all. 
No. What did she what did she do with Gloria Steinem? Like you don't need a title to be a No, you don't, but yeah, she signs all of her letters. Megan the Duchess of Cambridge, correct? Yeah, Sussex. Sussex, sorry. Who's Cambridge? Uh, William and Kate. Don't they change though? They become whales, right? So William and Kate become whales. I think they're Princess Wales and he's getting the, the Duke and Duchess of Cornwall. When they say it, they'll say Prince Wales and the Duke of. So don't Meghan and Harry move up a notch too to a different. They're not Sussex anymore, will they be? Well, they're not working royals. No, I think they're going to keep it. No, yeah. And I think they're going to keep it. But he also has, a lot of them also have Scottish titles too, or they'll have Irish titles, that, but they didn't want Archie to be known as the Lord of um, Dumbarton. I think that they opted not to have him Why? have that because they didn't want him to be teased that he's oh, dumb. I'm, excuse me. Sorry. It's like for people that don't want to be in the royal family, they care a lot about... That's like saying... Yeah, so weird. Lord of small penis. I don't want everyone to think I have a small penis. So, <laughs> no. So Lord Mountbatten, he was 79. He had been blown up on his fishing boat by the IRA. And apparently he was the one that had encouraged Philip to marry the queen mm-hmm. because he was... Philip was, I think, his godson. I mean, when Philip even, I think, took Mountbatten as the last name. Was he Charles's godfather, too? Well, yeah, he yeah. influenced him to marry yeah. Diana. Camilla's set of well-connected young people mixed freely with the royals. I think she was a first love for Charles. He was only 23, and that was his first real love affair. They had a little fling, 1972, for six months and Mark Batten was really Charles's mentor. And he said, lovely, you two have a great fling, but you know that this cannot end in marriage. Camilla absolutely is not a contender. You've got to remember that half a century ago, it was not really possible for the heir apparent to marry outside a royal circle. So Charles going out with Camilla didn't lead anywhere. And he had a huge, I think even more so than Philip did over Charles. I think Mountbatten had a lot more influence over Charles. Charles liked him better. Oh, definitely. In August 1979, my much-loved great-uncle, Lord Mountbatten, was killed alongside his young grandson and my godson, Nicholas, and his friend, Paul Maxwell, and Nicholas's grandmother, the dowager, Lady Braben. At the time, I could not imagine how we would come to terms with the anguish of such a deep loss. Since for me, Lord Mountbatten represented the grandfather I never had. So it seemed as if the foundations of all that we held dear in life had been torn apart irreparably. Through this um, dreadful experience, though, I now understand in a profound way, the agonies borne by so many others in these islands of whatever faith, denomination, or political tradition. Yeah, Charles had even said that, and he just found his parents somewhat cold or or distant, but they did go on world tours for six months and leave the kids with nannies and all that. And I think it was earlier in her reign, and then when I think she had Edward and Andrew, she was older, more things were more settled. 
famous picture where she's coming back and he's like four years old and he's like giving his mother the handshake. It was just a different, they sent him to the same school that his father went to, which was very austere, very um, cold, damp. I mean, Charles was bullied. He'd get beaten Mm -hmm. up. It was the one that, it was the one that Philip went to. Yeah. And he just was not his father. I feel like I have a friend like this. I feel like that they take so many mom and mommy daddy trips together that their kids don't even know them. I feel like they're royals because mm-hmm. their kids, <laughs> they always leave the mannies with the kids and the kids are mm-hmm. like free range. And, but as long as they get their mommy daddy trips in, we got to go here now. Yeah. Yeah. But your kid hair is on fire. That's okay. Then I'll take care of it. We got to go on our trip. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not Royals. I'm just surprised. Has Harry been back to Africa since they went there the last time? I did see that he just had a polo tournament not too long ago, I believe in Santa Barbara for his African charity. Oh, that's good. And they raised over a million dollars. So that's awesome. Kudos to him. That's yeah, that's really nice good. work, but I I don't think they've been back since they were in the Royal family. I mean, since they were active Royals, that one trip where they came out about yeah. her treatment. No, I don't think they've been back. Have they? Not that I know of. I knew recently he took a trip on his own and I was really surprised that he did that. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I know Kenya gave the queen a house when she got married to Philip. And I wonder if they still have that house. I mean, it's not like a huge mansion or anything, um, which is fine. I think that's more appropriate. You know, it's kind of, do you think Megan and Harry will have another child? I was going back and forth because they were always like, save the environment, only have two. But I could see them having another kid just to stay together or or redo their image to be more maternal. I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't think so. Because you know why? Why? I think Megan's going to run for an American political office. I think so too. So I think another child would be a lot of work. Yep. And I think that might not be the best plan for the career she has planned. Ciao, darling. Up at the castle here. 9 to 9.30, Lord Mountbatten and his family came out from the castle and informed us that they were going down to the pier. So we got into a patrol car and we escorted them. In this unique photograph taken just 24 hours earlier, showing a family and staff outside Classybourne, all the members of Lord Mountbatten's boat party are present. His son-in-law, Lord Brayburn, and his daughter Patricia. Their 14-year-old twin sons, Timothy and Nicholas Natchbull, and their 83-year-old grandmother, Doreen, the Lady Dowager. The only non-family member on board was the 15-year-old Northern Irish boat boy, Paul Maxwell. The day itself comes to me in flashes, rather like small explosions. I remember distinctly sitting in the library with my brother. My grandfather and the others had gone out of the boat, and Ash and I were watching on this crackly, fuzzy television screen, Lauren Hardy. On that day, the 27th, of August 1979. I was sitting on the back patio with Paul's father and Aunt Lisa 
Paul said, goodbye, Mum, see you in the evening. I didn't think that was the last time I would ever see him alive. Beautiful morning it was, sun was shining. They left Mullachmore Pier and travelled out to where they had some lobster pots. This is where we were. This, looking out, you could see the boat as it came along. Dennis Devlin was a 15-year-old whose family came to Mullach Moor every summer. Their caravan was parked just off the coastal road. I seen this boat and I recognised it. Well, there's a green with a white cab and I just recognised it was his boat. As they come in, I could hear them talking. Talking among themselves. As the boat pulled up, I remember the young fella over the side of the boat pulling in the lobster pot and slowly pulled it in. The boat had turned round towards me and I was just watching it and I knew it was Lord McBatten's boat. The next thing, everything was screwing up under there. Everything just rose up and the news explosion. Suddenly there was a flash of light and a loud bang. And you could see the boat had just disintegrated. It was obvious that a bomb had gone off. My brother, sister and I were taken into the study and before anything we were asked to take these pills with a glass of water. I'd never taken a pill in my life before. And that, to me, was more surprising than anything of that day. I couldn't understand why I was being made to take a pill. Again, I think it's so reflective of the era that they were in, in the 1970s, that you would, someone would have had Valium on them, for God's sakes, and said, let's give it to the children. I mean, dear God, would you give an 11-year-old a Valium? I, for some reason, left the castle and ran down to the beach, which wasn't helpful at all, um, and incredibly inconsiderate of me now, I look back. I remember sitting on the rocks down at the beach in my mind going over 27th of August, 27th of August, and I kept saying 1979, I'll never forget this date. And I don't. I don't. Every year that date comes around and, and we remember it. Um, and, um, and, uh, and, and it was just such an incredibly beautiful day. And on the rocks, this incredible view. Um, and yet, you know, destruction... I'm so sorry, I don't, I don't normally get upset. <laughs> I remember it very vividly, every, every moment of it, really, from the very start to the very end of the day, and I think I'll always remember it. Lord Mountbatten's boat had exploded, so immediately I got two friends and we went out on the boat to see what we could do. And um, we arrived there, and those other boats were in the near vicinity. They were already lifting the survivors. And at what point did you realise that Matt Batten himself had been killed? I think when, when we actually took him from the boat that he'd been brought ashore in and uh, brought him to the ambulance, that's the first that I realised that he had actually being one of the fellatis. He, he was one of the first sexually taken ashore. 
still too early to go to Tiffany's. I guess the next best thing is a drink. I will never be the woman with the perfect hair who can wear white and not spill on it. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. me again and you thought you probably had enough of my voice by now just a quick reminder to find us and follow us on instagram twitter and facebook at miss intrigue pod follow us on pinterest and flipboard where we collect featured stories from across the internet of royalty chronicles of interesting events in history and of course true crime lastly check out our youtube channel because everyone has one right that features playlists of documentaries and other related segments from our podcast topics. And if you want to hit us up, check out misdeedsandintriguepodcast.com. But we don't have a complaints department, just to give you a little heads up. The podcaster or authors assumes no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast. The information contained on this podcast is an as-is basis with no guarantees of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. A reasonable amount of effort was made to deliver precise data. All views expressed by the podcast hosts or guest co-hosts are their own and do not necessarily represent the opinion of any entity whatsoever with which Carrie, Misdeeds, or Intrigue Podcast, or Larissa have been, am now, or will be affiliated. The content of this podcast is for personal, informational, and entertainment purposes only, and is not to be viewed for commercial use. Misdeeds and Intrigue Podcast respects the intellectual property of others. Any audio clips that were not generated by the podcast host or producer was pulled from the public domain, free use sites, and or from YouTube, or other authorized sites to gather information. The utmost effort was made to credit the author and or production. If at any time you feel that copyright was infringed, please email Carrie at misdeedsandintriguepodcast.com and immediate action will be taken to remove the audio clips that were present for entertainment purposes only.